Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. I'm just excited to be here with you. We are, we're concluding uh, a series that we've been for 13 weeks in the, the book of Psalms. Now, I'm excited about uh, the conclusion of this series, not because we'll never read the book of Psalms again, but because uh, we've learned a lot, we've come, we've come a ways, and uh, every ending means a new beginning. Are you with me? So let's pray together, and then we're going to dive straight into this. Jesus, we love you a lot. We're grateful that you would invest this time in us. So often we can think of what we do at church as our investment into you, but how crazy that you'd invest into us, that you'd meet with us, right where we are, that you, you would meet with us. I pray that this investment would have huge returns in our lives over and over and over again, that it would change the way we think and act. We pray this in your name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, today I'm going to give you maybe a few more notes than, uh, than I typically do. A few more things I want you to jot down. I want to and in such a way that this is helpful for our lives going forward. So if you're taking notes, write this down, okay? Write this title down. It's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish and how you start. Say it one more time. It's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish and how you start. Both matter. Both. You've heard the saying before, right? It's not how you, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Like finish strong, finish well. Usually said to somebody in the middle of the discouragement of the grind, right? And they're like, I just don't know. I don't know. Like, I started so strong. Like, God, it doesn't matter. That's not how you start. It's how you finish. Like, you got this. Let's dig deep. You got, you can do this. And, and it's how, how you finish. And that's true. Finishing strong is, is really important. Imagine if it weren't the case. Like, you know, there we are tuning in to watch the Olympics. And it gets to, there they're about to present, you know, the, their final gymnastics floor routine that they've worked hard for over the course of the year. And then the gymnast comes out and says, you know what, guys? I got nothing to prove. I started strong. We're good. Like, you don't know all the hours in the gym. They're great. I don't need to, I don't need to, I don't need to do this. Imagine like getting to the championship game. It's like the final of Wimbledon and they get out there and they're ready and we're all watching and they're like, you know what? Should we just agree to tie? Because I've worked hard. You've worked hard. We both started strong. Well, like, what's the point of, that's just not how it works, right? Like finishing matters. It's not how you start. And there are things in our lives, whether it's relationally or emotionally or spiritually, where we can start strong and we begin to celebrate self. We're like, wow, I'm amazing. But it's not how you start. It's how you finish. You got to keep on going. But it's also how you start. Because here's what I think we can tend to do, is we can tend to procrastinate ever really getting going because we're always thinking about the finish. Like, well, it's not about how I start anyway, right? So I'll start tomorrow. It's not about how I start this next journey in my life anyway. So I'll start when it feels more comfortable. And we, we can tend to push off that moment of engagement, that moment of initiation, that moment where we're like, I'm going to bring my best right now. We can keep pushing it off because we know in the end it's how we finish. It was Seneca who said that every new beginning is the end of another beginning. In other words, at the end of every season, another season is waiting for you. 
At the end of every race, you're at the, the starting line of the next. At the end of every battle, there's another battle to be fought. And this is true in life as well, right? Like, like seasons come to an end, and the fact that they came to an end is, means a new beginning. Let me show you. Like, like you're single, right? Like real single. And, uh, and you just don't want to be that anymore. And so some friends help you out. Some friends say, that, I know someone who you might really, really click with. Can we put this together? You're like, anything. Anything to bring an end to the season that I'm in. And then you show up, and it's like this dinner, and you sit down, and like, hey, and you introduce yourself, and then you just sit down, and you slump back, and you go, oh, oh, it just feels so good. Uh, what's that? Oh, it just feels so good to be done. Done what? Well, done like being single. I'm just so happy that it's over. Bad first date. Definitely no second date coming, right? If you're only celebrating what just ended. That'd be crazy, because you are actually trying to bring an end to one season at the very same time that you're starting a new one, right? And then imagine like you're, you're dating, it's going well, you're, you're feeling it, you're kind of growing in commitment, you get to that point, you save up, you purchase a ring, it's, it's time. It's time, and then now you got to plan it, right? You didn't used to have to plan it so much because nobody hid like photographers in the bushes so they could document the story of how they asked. They were just like, hey, we're getting engaged. And you only really told people if you happen to run into them because you didn't post it on your wall. Okay, but now you got to plan it. Now it's got to be perfectly orchestrated. Right time, right place, right flower, all, all, all the stuff. And imagine that. You get the ring. You get down on your knees. And you're like, please, can you just put an end to this season, I'm so relieved that it's finally over. Like, what do you mean it's finally over? Like dating, it's just so good to have that season done. Be crazy. You're actually thinking all about the, the new thing that you're beginning, right? And then imagine like this hap- happens, actually tends to happen a lot at weddings, that one or both of the, the people getting married, they see their wedding day as the finish line, you know? And it's like brides walking down the aisle and you see groom just doing this like, or vice versa, like brides walking down the aisle, like, look at what my hands have created. This beautiful wedding made in my honor. And then they have a moment that they're like, now what? You're like, now what? Now, now, now we're married. Now we're building a life together. And then people get pregnant. Oh, man, getting pregnant so exciting. And then they share the announcement. And then they cut into the cupcake and see if it's pink or blue. Right? It's amazing. Then labor starts. So exciting. But imagine that, like, baby's born. They're like, hey, you just want it. You got a beautiful baby. And, the, the, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just glad it's over. Yeah, but you got this kid now. No, I'm good. It's just, I'm just glad it's over. We finished that season while well. I did pregnancy so well. Like, like newsflash, you got a kid now. You got to care for and life's ongoing. Same, same thing in business, right? Like imagine you're just, you're, you're thinking about that business you're about to start. There's no entrepreneur ever who's like, you know what I'm looking forward to? I'm just going to like get up early. I'm going to stay up late. I'm going to grind. I'm not going to get any paychecks. Just going to pay bills. I'm just going to keep doing it. No, no, they got vision for where they're going. And so the grind is fueled by the fact that like, I'm not going to be here forever. It's not about how you, it's how you finish. I'm going somewhere. I'm building something in my life. Imagine a builder just getting excited. Oh man, this foundation's amazing. I'm just digging this foundation. And then I get to take another shovel full. No, they're thinking about the the house that they're building. You see, we have to start with the end in mind. And we have to finish with the realization that something new is just around the corner. 
As long as we're alive, we will be experiencing beginnings and endings. As we conclude this book of Psalms together, we've, we've studied together over the last 92 days by this week's end. The, the last five Psalms in the book of Psalm uh, are referred to as the Hallelujah Psalms. The Hallelujah Psalms. Hallelujah, what a word. It's like that one word that makes you sound super spiritual and super irrelevant in any sentence, right? You're like, oh, that burrito is good. Hallelujah. And you're like, wow, this person's really spiritual and it didn't make sense in that context at all, right? Hallelujah. It's actually, a, it's a Hebrew word, which is an imperative. It's like a, 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 a command, not a interesting reflection. It's praise the Lord. Like it's this, this challenge this call, if you're going to respond appropriately to me saying hallelujah, it would be that in your life you begin to praise. It's this imperative. And these five chapters of the book of Psalms all begin and end with the word hallelujah. They begin with, before I tell you anything, before I try to convince you of anything, before I try to make a point about who God is, I just think we ought to start with an attitude and an atmosphere where God is being praised. So hallelujah. And then they talk about God for a little bit. And after talking about God and getting a more clear revelation, like, isn't that good? Come on, let's praise the Lord. This is what these five Psalms feel like. And speaking of beginnings and ends, by the way, the very first word in the book of Psalms is the word blessed. And the very last word is the word hallelujah. Come on, it starts with God's blessing and it ends with our hallelujah. See, worship is our response to God, not the other way around. Don't get it wrong. Perhaps you have been uh, led to believe or raised in such a way that you were led to believe that, that the more you worship, the more God will bless you, that, that worship was our idea. It's something we started as a means to try to draw closer to God so he'd notice us. But the truth of the matter is it all begins with blessing. And worship is simply our response to what God has already done. It's not like someone got together like, yeah, you know what? I'm just kind of, I don't know what to do with my life, but I'm really good at singing. And so maybe I should sing to God. Maybe he'd notice that. And then someone else like, no way, you're good at singing. I'm good at kazoo. We should start a band. Like, well, let's make some songs. Maybe God will be impressed and do something. No, no, no. Worship is a response to what God has already done. Even in the creation narrative, God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. And he spoke into existence trees and plants and stars and oceans and creatures and birds. And, and then on the end of the sixth day, he reached down into the dust of the earth and, and he, he formed man out of dirt. If you're sitting by a guy, just turn to him and say, you're a dirt bag. And, uh, and he blew into that dirt. Literally, it's, the, it's just theology. Okay. And he blew into dirt and it became a man and then the very first thing that was on man's responsibility list to do was was to rest because it was the end of the day so they rested man wakes up i don't know what it would be like to wake up on your first day and he's like i exist crazy never been here before he's like so, so god you made me yeah so you must want me to do something for you what should i do like like you're the creator right what what do you want me to do and god goes oh just like today's the seventh day. We just rest. Adam's like, no, God, I don't know everything, but I know how to count. This is the first day. But not to God. To God, it's the seventh day. God already created. He started time. He created man. And then man's first responsibility, just rest. Just be together. 
Like we get we get a whole day to just chill. Yeah, whole day to just be together, to respond to the blessing of existence. I want us to understand that from beginning to end, worship for us will always be a response to the blessing of God. It'll always be a response to what he's already done. So today, if I could, I want to show you a few things that I believe these hallelujah psalms reveal about God that actually set us up to worship him more fully, to praise him with with more abandon, to praise him, I believe, with more effectiveness as well. Can we do that together? Psalm 146, if you could turn there. Let me show you the first thing. Psalm 146 down to verse 2 says this, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. You could accurately put it this way or translate it this way. I will praise the Lord with my whole life. Do you know your whole life is an opportunity to worship God? Which is great news for people without a singing voice. Great news for people who, who don't know how to, how to carry a tune or how to keep, keep time. Your, your worship is not a sum total of your musicianship. Your worship is your whole life. You can worship God with your energy. Jesus put it this way. He said, I, I'm looking for this type of worship. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Or all your emotions, all your convictions, all your thoughts, and all your energy. That means like your creative ability is a platform for you to worship God with. Your weaknesses are not a platform for you to worship God with. The Bible says this, that in our weakness, God's made strong. So when we, instead of hiding weaknesses, we go, God, I am not very good at being patient. I'm going to need your help with this one. Like you put this crazy person in my life. They're, they're trying me, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to just react. I want to live in response to who you are. And, and we begin to praise with our whole lives. So you're like, hold on a second, Pastor Justin. You said that worship's a response. The very first thing you're telling me now is something I need to do more of. I, I don't understand. Is it a response or is it a responsibility? Let me show you that it's actually a response. Like, why is it that we ought to worship God with our whole life? Let me show you. Go down to verse uh, to verse 6. It says this. He's the maker of the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. Worshiping God with our whole lives is not an idea that we have. We're like, well, what else would I do? I might as well worship. Worshiping God with our whole lives is a response to his faithfulness, is a response to the consistency of God's character. When speaking of its faithfulness, look at what it says, this beautiful picture drawn. It says God created the heavens, he created the earth, he created the oceans, and all the creatures that occupy the oceans, he's faithful. Interestingly, I don't believe the poet was just sitting down and saying, I want to write some things about God. Hmm, oceans are nice. <laughs> Jot that down. Like little like thought bubbles, you know, brainstorming. What else do I like? Hmm, octopus. <laughs> yep, I'm going to put that down. Calamari is phenomenal. What else? Stars. So, no, this is actually an incredibly purposeful order that is given. God created the heavens and earth, speaking of the orbits and positioning of all galactic things. God, with perfect intentionality, made it such that the moon orbiting around our earth actually creates tide. 
If not for the moon, there would be no tide. The gravitational pull of the moon actually causes the water from the ocean. It's like that's what gravity does, right? The moon draws near. It's like, come on. Come on, water. Get a little closer here. And the water draws and the tide rises. And when the moon keeps moving, the water follows it around. And that's why we have tides. If not for the galaxies, there would be no tides. So God created the heavens and the earth. And if not for the ocean, there'd be no life on earth. People put it this way. The ocean is like the the earth's lungs. If not for the ocean, we don't breathe. Well, why don't we breathe? We have trees, of course. Yeah, we have trees. But you know, most of our oxygen is actually produced by little microscopic, trillions of microscopic uh, 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 organisms that live in the water. And so they take carbon dioxide, transition it into oxygen, and, and therefore we breathe. Do you know that the ocean is full of 80% of all living things on the planet live in the ocean? How many ocean people in the house? Any people just love the ocean, like the, the breeze, you love the sound, you just want to get up in that smell? Yeah. You, you actually, you find a scent in your house, some, some essential oils that make it smell like you're at the ocean just because you're an ocean person. But think of that. Oh, the, some people aren't ocean people because of the creatures that live in the ocean. But I just want you to see this. Here's how faithful God is. That the microscopic is dependent upon the galactic. And so he made the galactic. He made the incredible, beyond fathoming galaxies so that the microscopic could live, so that you and I could share that breath. How good is God? Man, he deserves my whole life. He deserves my whole life. I'm getting the better end of the deal, even if I give him everything. I am actually coming out ahead even if I give them all that I have. And the Bible actually says this, that God will never be indebted to anyone. So even if you feel like you are giving, you'll never outgive God. And so our response of whole life worship is a response to his faithfulness. Let's move on to to the second one here, okay? Look at uh, Psalm 147. Psalm 147 in, in verse 7. It says this, Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music with the harp and the lyre. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. I love that term, grateful praise. Grateful praise. If you've been in church a while, you know praise means one thing, fast songs. Right? Like like you come to a church and like, hey, we're going to have a time of praise and worship. Translation, some fast ones and some slow ones. Right? And and so, so you just kind of observe for a while, like, oh, praise must be this. You see, you know, get the holy hop going. I guess this is praise. And if the, the more young people there are in the room, the more likely that your hop starts going, you know, a little side to side, so you bump into others. And if there's lots of young people in the room, you might actually get up on their hands and ride. That's praise, right? And then it's like, okay, 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 guys, enough of that. Now it's time to worship. And then you lift the TV. Right? And then you tilt your head to one side. Or you give yourself a hug, right? Always works better when you're wearing flowy, flowy clothes, you know, praise and worship. But, but here the Bible says that actual praise is gratitude. That's what praise sounds like. It's gratitude. So you can, you can have all the holy hops here. Unless someone you're like, what just happened there? I have never seen either of those things. That's cool. It's cool because actually praise is gratitude. Praise is living a life of, of gratitude. You know what gratitude does in my life? 
It's the exact same thing it does in yours. It kills pride. Gratitude and pride can't coexist. They're arch enemies. It's like if gratitude and pride were to walk into the same room, you would hear the sound, or, you know, that like fake Hollywood type sound of swords being drawn, like shing, like, like uh-oh. Oh, one, one of you is not making it out of this room alive. Praise, like the gratitude or pride can't coexist. Like, like you can't be grateful while you're proud because you're entitled, right? You deserve it. Why would you say thank, thank you for something you deserve? You, you see people like, when they're trying hard. They're so proud, but they're trying hard. Like, I guess, like, thank you, I guess. Like, yeah, it didn't work. It wasn't really grateful. But when you're really grateful, it just kills pride in your life. When you're really grateful, you're like, I, I was undeserving. What was given to me is actually a gift. It's not something I earned. Like, like you can be proud about your paycheck if you want. But if you get grateful for your paycheck, it changes everything. Like the Bible would say things like that. It's like it's God who gives you the ability to work. So you can actually even turn your job into praise. That's crazy. So he says this, like praise with a grateful heart. You want to get better at praising? You, you may or may not need voice lessons, but you could all use, we could all use an adjustment to the way we're grateful. And every time you're grateful about big or small, you're worshiping God whenever you get grateful. That's crazy. Look at why. And you're like, okay, so get grateful. Be more grateful. Got it. Just add it to my list. Lots of to-dos. You know, don't be a bad person. Be more grateful. No, no. It's a response. Check out what it's a response to. Look at verse 3. It says this, God heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls them by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power of his understanding. There's no limit. And then it says this, the Lord sustains the humble. The Lord sustains the humble. See, God is so humble that he takes note of the humble. I think sometimes in life we don't want to get humble because like no one's going to notice me if I'm humble. Like I got to have a little bit of bite. I got to have a little bit of edge because if I'm just humble, no one's ever going to notice me. Know who will notice you? God. And the Bible says that God actually sustains the humble. Another, another verse says this, that it's God who lifts up the humble to make them great. You want real doors open in your life? Get low. You want to be lifted up? That's actually God's end goal for you, by the way. It's not to get you low and then remind you how low you are. It's actually so that he might lift you up in due time. And so what is gratitude all about? Gratitude is a response to the humility of God who is so humble that he notes humility in us. And he goes, that's what I'm looking for and that's what I'm going to sustain. It goes on to say things like this. There will be peace at your borders and enough food in the city. In other words, this other great, beautiful, poetic picture that if you would just get humble, God will go ahead of you and fight your battles for you and make sure that you have enough in the season that you're in. Sometimes we, we get humble. We're like, well, it's either you know fight or flight. What am I going to do? No, you can actually rest in humility. God will bring safety at your borders and God will actually sustain you within the season that you're in. So when I'm getting grateful, I'm actually being grateful for the humility of God. And the crazy thing is it brings humility out of me. And the crazy thing about that is then God sustains me. And the crazy thing about that is then I get more grateful. And the crazy thing about that is when I get more grateful, I get more humble. And then God sees that humility growing in me. He's like, oh, I'm going to sustain you more. Then the crazy thing is I get more grateful. That is like this cycle of gratitude that takes place in our life. And the opposite is true as well. When we lose gratitude, we get more entitled. When we get more entitled, we find ourselves more alone. When we're more alone, we're without more, and then we find ourselves more entitled because we got left out. You, you get how it goes. 
So worship, praise, our response to God. First of all, it's with our entire lives. Side note, if there's some area of your life you're like, I can't actually think of any possible way that this part of my life could be a blessing to God at all. It is counter everything that's about God. Probably should drop that thing. Because your whole life is an opportunity to worship. And there's something you can't find any redemptive value in. Just probably leave that thing aside. So whole life worship is a response to his faithfulness. Gratitude is a response to his humility. I probably should have made this a five-part series instead of five points in one message, but we're going to do this anyway. Verse uh, 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 Psalm 148 going down to verse 13. Can you go there? Psalm 148 in verse 13, it says this. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone. Someone say alone. His name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He's raised up for his people a horn, which means strength, uh, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. The people close to his heart. This, this psalm, if you were to read it in its entirety, which would take a long time because it's 14 verses. I'm joking, it wouldn't take very long. But it says this, like, like angels should praise God. Heavenly hosts should praise God. Fruit trees should praise God. Cedars should praise God. Bugs should praise God. Birds should praise God. Fish should praise In other words, it's like God did it all. And if, if we never received anything else from God, wouldn't that be enough to worship him? Wouldn't that be enough to praise him if our very existence is a gift from him? My goodness. But then in all of that, it says, but you need to know this. You're close to God's heart. This is speaking of the favor that God has towards humanity, the favor he has towards people, you're close to his heart. You ever watch someone like holding a brand new baby? They get all weird like, oh, I just love the way it smells. I wish I had some jam. I'd spread it over them and just eat them all up. You're like, that turn really dark really fast. But but we're, like you hold a baby close, right? See someone that, that, that like you, it's close. God's got you right here. God's got you right here where he can hear his heart. God's got you right here where he doesn't have to shout at you. That's why he gets to whisper at you because he's near. That's why the voice of God is in a whisper, by the way, not in a storm, not in an earthquake. He whispers because he's this close. He holds us close to his heart. We're, we're favored by God of all his creation. I mean, like he could have chosen to be like, oh, fruit tree, come on here, little fig. But, but he just chose to show that kind of love and compassion towards humanity that bears his image. He draws them near, and he draws us close. And if God favors us, then our response is he's got to become our favorite. Like if God favors us, he's got to be our favorite as well. That's why it says I will praise him alone. Like sometimes we don't know what to, what to thank. We're like, oh, God or, you know, the universe, Ellen, whoever did this for me, whoever threw these vibes out, thanks. But, but it says, like, praise God alone. He, he's on your side. He's the one who's favoring you. And you're like, Pastor, I, have, I only worship God. Like, I didn't wake up this morning and say, thanks, God, and then open up a book of, you know, ancient Roman mythology and be like, and thank you to the God of bread and the God of wheelbarrows. Like, I, I only worship God. Not, not, not necessarily, because when we worry, we're actually worshiping something different. You see, just like pride and humility can't coexist, worry and worship can't co coexist. And so when we worry, we're putting more weight on the things that's taken away our joy than we're putting on God, who is the fullness of our joy. We're going, oh, man, what am I going to do now? My job. Oh, my. Hey, 
Like, like when you were, you were actually worshiping what, what you think your job brings into your life. Isn't God the one who provide, provides the opportunity, provides the job he's got away? And so you say, I, I only worship God. Probably not. Probably not. I, I, I struggle with this. To never worry, to never place my value on the opinion of others, to never put, put where, where I find my joy from others. Like to worship God alone, it gets real specific. It gets really favored, but it's a response to his favor. God made the first move. I love this. How crazy would it be if worship was the other way? God, I've forsaken everything else. Please notice me. It's like God's already noticing you. You're on his heart all the time. So what he's asking in return is that we favor him. Number four, I'm, I'm getting bogged down. I could stop right there and tell you cute baby stories. Number four, look at Psalm 149 and verse six. Psalm 149 and verse six. It says this, may the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. Oh, I love this one. Anyone who's like ever fought a martial art or maybe they're a gamer, you love this one. Double-edged sword in your hands. Like like I'm looking at some people right now. You, you, You know what it is. You saved up some points so you could get yourself a specific weapon on some game. I don't even know enough about games to say what game it is, but double-edged sword in their hands. In other words, praise is a form of battle. When we get praise in our mouths, we actually are on the battlefield, and that's appropriate, and that's what we ought to do. When you praise, do you know you're actually pushing hard against a spiritual force that would do everything possible to rob you of joy? And when you praise... You are wreaking havoc on the devil's plans. You go, oh, the devil. Are we going to go there? Are we talking about the devil in church? Well, I'm a Bible person, and the Bible says this, that there's an enemy of our soul who hates us so much that he's out to steal and kill and destroy, looking to use any leverage given, any stronghold given, even even any little crack in our lives to try to expose, expose and exploit in such a way that we are robbed of joy. We're robbed of the fullness of life. But when we praise... We go to battle. When we praise, we start fighting. When we praise, we push back the things that are robbing us of joy. You ever been around this person? Like you just can't get them down? Like, like, like things that would crush other people? Like, yeah, but wow, isn't God amazing? I remember this one guy I used to play basketball with. Maybe I've told this story before. His name was Dustin, but, but he was just so cute that we called him Dusty. Like he was just this cute little guy. He was a couple years too young, but I was at a really small school. So anyone who was vaguely interested in sports just made the team and got to come along for the ride. And, and we were playing a game and we lost to a team I didn't feel we should lose from. And, and we got back into the locker room and there was like, like some really important things done, like slamming the doors of lockers because that really helps, right? Oh, I can't believe we lost. Slam, slam the locker door. And I remember looking over at Dusty and he's just smiling. I'm like, Dusty, what is your problem like you didn't even get to play you were on the bench watching us lose and then dusty's like you know the ending we're all kind of frustrated and and then he's like yeah i mean at least at least we're all going to heaven right guys (laughs) i'm like oh you're cute and i kind of like you but i hate that but you're right ah i just praise praise pushes back negativity i can't stay negative when i praise I'm fighting a battle against, and your battle, by the way, is not against people. That's why praise is your weapon. 
Praise is your weapon, not not the ability to debate. If there are battles against people, debate would be your weapon. And you would slam them with, with, with facts and, and sound arguments. But praise is your weapon because it's a spiritual battle. So when you praise God, he's lifted up. When you praise God, you fight a battle. You go, well, why is it so important to battle? Check it out. Here's why. It says this, verse 4, For the Lord takes delight in his people, and he crowns the humble with victory. In other words, God is about winning. And because God is about you winning, you have to be about fighting. Because God is about you winning, you can't get out of the fight. It might happen on a Monday. It might happen on a Wednesday. You get that moment in time where you're like, oh man, how can it only be this far into my week? I'm so discouraged and so defeated. It might be in those crazy moments where it feels like everything falls apart at the same time. Your car breaks down and you're, 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 you're getting the cold shoulder from someone you care about. And then something goes down at work. You're like, whoa, what worse could happen right now? But in moments like that, you need to understand that God is all about you winning. He's about crowning your life with victory, about you experiencing the exhilaration of winning. So don't stop fighting. Because God wants you to win, you can't stop fighting. That's why the Apostle Paul says things like this. I'm not there yet. I just got to forget what's behind me and press on towards what is ahead because I want to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's why he can say this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I've kept the faith, now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the awesome judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but all who are called according. Are you, are you following me? God wants you to experience victory, and because he wants you to win, you can't stop fighting. If you don't quit, you win. If you don't stop, you will win. If you don't give up, you will experience all the victory that God has in store for you. Let me, let me conclude with this. Psalm 150. Fifth thing about our praise. So if you're, you're taking notes, first of all, you know we're, we're praising with our whole life because of God's faithfulness. Secondly, we're praising with gratitude because of his humility towards us. Third, we're making him our favorite because he's made us his. Fourth, in response to his desire for me to win, I got to keep fighting. I got to keep battling. And how I battle is not by just closing people out, by the way. It's not just getting in a bunker and saying, I will withstand this. You've got to get out a sword and go fight it. I love that it's a sword. You say, well, it was probably just a sword because it was the weapon of the time. But yeah, man, like God could have showed prophetically an airstrike. When you praise, you drop an airstrike, but it's a sword. You've got to get right up in there. And sometimes you've got to fight with praise. You following me? You ever been there? You're like, I just have to choose right now. I will be devoured in my own loneliness and discouragement unless I do something about it. I'm going to be devoured in this dog-eat-dog world unless I do something about it. It's time to praise. And then lastly, number five. Lastly, let me read all of Psalm 150 to you. It says this, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of trumpets. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This chapter of Scripture, Psalm 150, that concludes the whole book of Psalms, is actually this incredible chapter about inclusion like hold up i did not catch that well well, let me tell you this it's saying different things you can use to praise the lord and it says praise the lord with trumpets in that time in that culture the only one allowed to use trumpets were the priests so priests were about trumpets so when the the psalmist is writing praise the lord with trumpets he's thinking priests 
No one else knows how to play a trumpet. And then he's like, praise with harps and lyres. You know who played harps and lyres? They were Levites, like people who were at work in the assembly. They were at work in church, you could say. Like they were in ministry. And they were trained and prepared to pray, praise God with harps and lyres. And the, the timbrel and dancing, that in that society and culture is what women would do. They, plays, they, they, they would play timbrel. And so it's like, this is actually for everyone. Like, it's crazy. The Bible is actually this incredibly empowering book to all people. It's inclusive. And if we don't read it with a, a proper historic lens, we, we, we note things that, that are not even actually being said. So here God is saying this. I want those of you who are priests to understand you will never graduate outside of worship. Like, like you haven't arrived just because you're a leader. You still got to praise. And I want those who think you're just busy doing things. Like I'm out here serving. I'm just doing the work of the ministry. You need to stop sometimes what you're doing and remember who you're doing it for, your why you're doing it. You need to praise God. And, and then before I address anyone else, I want to address those who in that culture and society might have felt like they were the least likely to be chosen. And he says, hey, all, all you ladies, there's room for you right at the front. I want you to know that you're on my mind. You're on my heart. And you're like, well, that's kind of cool. He said, girls before guys. I think it's significant in a culture that, that so often did it the other way. Culture that in many other ways is the other way. It's like, you're having a, a baby. Is it a boy? Oh, girl, sorry. In that, into that culture, God's like, I just want you to know, women, you have, you have something that's needed in this assembly. Bring what you bring. And then he goes, and then, then if you play like pipes or other instruments, so meaning like, like you've pre prepared for it, but you don't feel chosen. You ever been there? Like, I'm just not the chosen one. There's more important people. There's, there's first picks. I wasn't that. Like, you bring what you bring. You bring what you can do. And then it says, and to everyone else, just like bang some symbols together. Like the clashing ones, the resounding ones, it doesn't matter. Just find some symbols, smash them. Like, like there's, in other words, there's room for everyone in this, in this worship. There's room for everyone in this praise. The elite, the busy, the disenfranchised in that culture who are, are called to the front of the line, those who have prepared for something but nobody seemed to want what they prepared for, and then everyone else. It's like, man, God's talking about drummers here. What's a drummer? The friend of a musician, right? Drummers, they're the people who hang out with musicians all the time. It's a joke about drummers, okay. But he goes, hey, like if you don't know how to play something, there's still room for you. Can you hit some things together? Find something that either makes a crashing sound or a resounding sound because it has nothing to do with the sound. It has to do with the unity that comes, the engagement that comes. So I'm looking for high in society, low in society, prepared and unprepared. Those who feel like they're part of it, those who feel disenfranchised, those who feel too busy, and those who feel like I don't even know what I bring to the equation. All I do is smash things together. All of that can be praised. And then he says this, let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then there's a new paragraph. And what happens when you read a new paragraph? Remember learning this? You read a new paragraph and you are told that a new paragraph, you really ought to take a little breath, right? Like don't run your paragraphs into one another. Take a breath, take a pause, and then start reading again. So it says this, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. <sighs> new paragraph. Oh, praise the Lord. Or like the thing that I just experienced is all I need to qualify me to be someone who praises the Lord. Oh, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. 
You see, you need to understand that there is no room to disqualify yourself to praise God. There's no room to feel like, well, that, this isn't for me. I'm too busy. Never too busy. This isn't me. I know enough stuff. I'm like a priest. Cool. You never graduate beyond worshiping. I don't think I'm wanted here. Actually, God wants you at the front of the line. I don't think I prepared the right thing. Hey, bring what you bring. I can't do anything. Smash some things together. If you have breath, you belong. If you can breathe, you belong. That's about, about as deep as we're going to go here at Vivid Church. If you can breathe, you belong. Because, because that's the gospel. It's inclusive. That's the gospel saying there's a room for everything with breath to praise the Lord. And praise, it's your battle. Praise is actually the opportunity for you to engage in humility. Praise is like this whole life gift to God in response to his faithfulness. And all you need to qualify is breath. You just need to remember you're God's favorite. You're the one he's holding close to his heart. Wherever you are, would you stand? We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.